0: When you first consider changing your family configuration, whether it be divorce, legitimation, a custody action, and whether you thought about it on your own or your spouse has raised the issue, your brain gets filled with an extraordinary amount of questions and an extraordinary amount of emotions. I'm Dawn. And I'm Kristen.
1: We're going to be answering all your family law questions in hopes that it will help alleviate some of the unknowns you're wondering about. Welcome to Untying the Knots. Between the two of us, we have 45 years of legal experience. We've been involved in over a thousand cases, including our own. We've handled all types of issues involving families, including same-sex marriages, divorces, custody modifications, and child support. We've had clients who've been married and divorced to each other multiple times, and we've helped people who have been together
0: for as little as two weeks and those who've been together for over 30 years. Yeah, our hope is that you can use this podcast like a search engine by scanning through our show notes or on the podcast tab of our website to see a list of every question that we answer in exactly what episode in time you'll find us answering your question. There's certainly situations where you don't
1: want other members of your household seeing that you're looking into family law issues and nothing is more important to us than your confidentiality and safety. This same podcast is available as a true crime show called The Knot Family Mystery. Mm, How I love a true crime
0: podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Every episode starts with a minute of typical true crime show, followed by the same exact content you have here. This way, if someone wants to see your phone, or if your Bluetooth isn't connected when you start an episode, your secret is safe. Hi, I wanted to know, how long does it take to get a divorce? So, Kristen, what's our favorite answer? It, it depends. depends.
1: <laughs> so, what's it depend on?
0: Well, it really do, the, the first thing it depends on right now because of this space and time we're in, sort of, you know, in the middle of pandemic or post-pandemic, everything's backed up. Yes. The courts have not been able to try criminal cases, and those take a priority. So we're seeing um, a real delay in trials, right? So that can prolong your um the process definitely but that aside you know it's let us walk through the process and tell you what the process is you know the first step is to um file a petition for divorce um and a petition for divorce is something called a pleading which is basically pleading asking the court for the relief that you want and in georgia we have notice pleadings which means It's not the time to go into the long saga of your marriage and everything that she did wrong. It really is the petition will say who you are, when you got married, where you live, do you have children, and then we'll ask the court for the relief that you want. It will also say um, what your grounds for divorce are. Right. And And we're a no-fault state, which means that you can plead for no-fault, which Uh, means you don't have to go throwing around blame in the divorce document.
1: If you want to be divorced, you can be divorced. I tell people all the time, the other person doesn't have to also want a divorce. You are stating in that initial pleading, this is what I want, and the other side will have an opportunity to answer. So like Don said, now your petition's filed. What next? Well, the other party needs to be served. There's three ways for service to be perfected one of which is having a sheriff serve the other party with the pleading that we filed with the court. One is appointing a process server, which is an individual who's in plain clothing but has um, been appointed by the court to be able to perfect service. And then thirdly, which is the most amicable way to begin a proceeding and what I like to do first, if we can, is to send a document called an acknowledgement of service to the other party, which they can sign. And by signing that in front of a notary public, that can acknowledge that they've actually received it without then having to go the extra step of having a a sheriff or a process server serve them.
0: And there are a couple reasons why service is very important, sort of the the academic reason, is it establishes Personal jurisdiction over mm-hmm. the person that you're drawing into right. the lawsuit, and the second reason is, you know, you asked how long will it take, and the whole clock doesn't start ticking until yep. that service is perfected in one of those three ways. Um, at the time of the filing for divorce, the court will enter whatever the specific standing order is in that county, and a standing order is an order that goes into effect in all cases involving domestic relations dispute, that governs generally the conduct of the party. Right. It will most likely say, don't run around dissipating marital assets or spending outside of the normal course of marital business. Don't remove the children from the jurisdiction of the court without the consent of the court or the other party. And we'll just talk generally about what the conduct should be
1: which is very helpful in establishing some ground rules through this process. So you have filed, the other party has been served, the clock has started ticking, and that clock first says that now the other party who has been served has 30 days to file an answer or response to your petition. That's the other side's opportunity to agree or disagree, which is written as admit or deny what you've requested from the court, and then ask the court for their own relief that they would like from the um,
0: petition. And, you know, a lot of folks say to me, but but we didn't say enough in that answer, right? right? You know, she asked for the house and that was my home premaritally. And again, this is a notice pleading. Right. The the bulk of what your argument and what your marriage narrative will be will be played out and available for the court or the adjudicator to hear in mediation in any temporary hearing mm-hmm. or any final case. It's not right. the time, you know, as a lawyer litigator who strategizes, I don't always want to lay out all my factual cards right up front. Right. You don't want to give the other side your total hand. Oh, no. Even though it might feel good to you for that one <laughs> moment for me to write something really big and inflammatory, right? we may have just showed all our cards. Right. So speaking of
1: showing cards and getting information, once that answer is filed in Georgia, that begins what's called a discovery period. There, The court allows six months for the parties to exchange documents back and forth to get all the information that they need, six months from the date of the filing of that answer. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to take that entire six months. For some parties, they can work together, they can exchange documents informally without a lot of um, argument back and forth over what one person's going to produce or not. But that is the time frame the court allows for that process.
0: And it also, just like it doesn't mean it will, you, you will take all that time, it can also be extended for good cause that exactly. discovery period. And in addition to documents, you can ask questions of each other, which are called interrogatories. You can do things like request documents from third parties, right. send out third party um, requests for documents. You can, one side may ask the other to file some admissions, may ask questions like, is your name as Dawn? Do you live in Fulton County? And you have to answer those, and that's called right. a request for admission. And then finally, another really common discovery vehicle is the use of depositions yes where one party in the presence of the other party and counsel and a court reporter um, takes testimony asks questions of a party or a witness under oath Um, and that's recorded down under oath and can be used for any purposes going forward
1: So I think here in this stage of the process is where some important decisions are made. You may be in a case where there are no temporary issues that need to be talked about. Or you may be in a situation where there are some temporary things that you all can't agree on and that you need the court to weigh weigh in on. Or there may be an emergency issue that needs to be addressed in front of the judge. If that's the case, what your attorney will likely advise is to Ask for a temporary hearing before the court that may be done through a motion or some courts will allow you to simply request a temporary hearing. Regardless, when we're talking about time frame and the timeline of this process, a temporary hearing, which may be to address issues like you may need temporary support. If you're moving out of the home or you're not receiving support from the other spouse to help take care of the children, you may need support for simply yourself if there are no children involved. Or there may need to be some ground rules established on who will live in the home while this divorce is going on, who will um, drive which vehicle, who will operate the business. There's a lot of ground rules that may need to be established up front on a temporary basis that the standing order doesn't address. In that case, that adds some time to the process because – there's the preparation for that hearing and then attending that hearing. And you may then discover you need more information and in discovery afterwards. So those are some things that could come into play.
0: So one question folks may have is, you know, to go back to discovery and what kind of information can be discovered. Right. And in Georgia, the scope of discovery is far and wide, guys. Yes. You know, it's whatever is relevant. Right. And and it doesn't have to be admissible at trial, necessarily. Right. right? It's the opportunity. And, and the whole theory behind this is the law and the judicial system wants everybody to have access to the same information so that it can efficiently present the issues to the court for resolution. Right. Right. So. Yes, your finances. Yes, your taxes, your credit card statements, your gas statements, you know, um, information about your phone. Your phone bills are admissible. Um, Information, there will be questions asked frequently about the children and what you've done and what you think the other spouse has or has not done. Have you had sex outside of marriage? You know, do you have premarital property anything's open and in my experience while you're a lawyer you know some folks may go oh we'll object to that we're not going to answer that when in doubt a court says turn it over yep absent there being some reason like business secrets and then we maybe we need a protective order right but there is a real judicial philosophy in this state of free and open discovery
1: And that's a really good point, Dawn, because when people ask how long the process is going to take, discovery and and squabbles over discovery can definitely add time to the process. For example, if your attorney sends a notice to produce to the other party asking for specific documents and they refuse to turn them over, that then may require your attorney to give you the option of, well, let us – subpoena those documents directly from the bank. That's an additional cost and also takes additional time. It may be that you have to seek help from the court in getting the other party to turn over the documents that that the court would require them to do. And that is called, there's a couple of vehicles for that, one of which is called a motion to compel. And your attorney can talk to you about those options. But the point that I want to get across is you can only control yourself, and we've said this over and over again throughout this process. If the other party or the other attorney is not cooperating in this discovery process, it will no doubt lengthen the amount of time that it takes to get the information that you and your attorney need to go to the next step.
0: Which is another reason to hearken back to what we talked about, what you can do to get ready to file a divorce right. is the most information you can gather Right. Related yep. to your finances and the marriage ahead of time, the better. Right. Because maybe it will lessen or shorten or, or the amount of discovery that you need to actually get. Um, so we've gone through discovery. Right. So what's next on after well, we have all the info we need after we have all the info we need or at least enough A, a general amount of info. We can always negotiate a resolution. We can do that. You know, certainly between parties, but I caution you to be really careful. You don't want to commit to anything um, without having talked to your counsel. Attorneys can negotiate, but by far the most common thing people do is they go to mediation, where right. there's an independent third party who is a trained trained in assisting parties um, to try to reach a resolution, which is a compromise, which means everybody doesn't get everything they want. Right. That's the best settlement is when everyone doesn't get
1: what they want, because that means there's been some compromise, some give and take, something
0: that you and your family can live with. Right. And can do a cost benefit analysis. Well, you know, I'm not getting 100% of everything I want, but that last 10%, what is it going to cost me to fight for it? And what is the likelihood that I can get it? And let me tell you something. Nobody knows with certainty what the likelihood is. No. Judges are people, right? They make these decisions. You never know what may sway them. I do think some experienced lawyers can talk to you about what they've seen and sort of what the scope of remedies are, but nobody knows for sure.
1: And Don, I want to just add, when you talked about the cost, the cost-benefit analysis, not only is there a financial cost to continuing litigation, but there's an emotional cost, and there is an emotional Impact on your family and yourself that comes along with with the fight that's required to go the distance sometimes. So that's something to weigh as well. And the impact on your children, of course. Yeah. Uh,
0: Get those kids out of it as soon as possible. Right. I'm always going to say that. So if, if we've tried mediation, we've tried negotiating, we've gotten as much discovery as we think that we need, um, you know, the next step in the small percentage of cases that don't settle, which I would say is maybe 10 percent. Right, Most family law
1: cases settle. They and really do. And I encourage that it's best for them to settle. But in the event
0: that they don't, what would the next step be? Well, the next step is, you know, you can choose a couple of things. You know, mm-hmm. certainly um, in the typical process, it's to go to a final trial in front right. of a judge um, and that will be set by the court. The time will be set. The court may or may not give you all the time you think you need to present the case, and that's the next step. I mean, that's it. Right. Opening statements, evidence, closing statements, judge decides. Exactly. One thing
1: that has become more popular that we've recommended to clients, particularly during COVID, is arbitration, and arbitration is a process where Rather than going in front of the actual judge in your case, you hire, is basically a private judge who both parties agree that the decision that arbitrator makes after your counsel presents their case to them will be binding on the parties and an agreement is, is written up from there based on the arbitrator's ruling, if you will. And the reason that's become more popular, as Don mentioned in the beginning, there has been a backlog in cases and the time frame it takes in which to get to court arbitration can be much faster you have a little more control over the scheduling and um be a good option to get resolution more quickly
0: yeah and let me ask add this too it can be less formal it doesn't right. mean it's not taken seriously but depending on who your arbitrator is it can be less formal and it's private right um and you know court if you go to court You know, our courtrooms, whether they're virtual or in person, are open to the public. Yes. Um, And private arbitration is a way to really keep down the number of people that have their fingers and eyes on things, um, to have a less formal process, to have it done quicker, and have a resolution issued quicker as well. So that's why we said it depends on how long it'll take. It It just depends. Depends on everybody's choices, the availability of the court, and, you know, everybody's willingness to settle. What
1: is the fastest I can get divorced? 45 days. In Georgia. In Georgia. Some places. I think some places
0: make you wait a year.
1: Yeah. But there's no requirement in Georgia that you have to be separated for a certain period of time. Well, you have to live in a bona fide state of separation. at least 30 days. But outside of that, if you all have the ability to come to an agreement together, file your paperwork as what we will call uncontested, and we've talked about that in different episodes, the fastest that a court typically will sign off on a divorce decree is um, about 45 days. Statutorily, the court is required to wait 31 days before Reviewing and then signing off on a divorce decree. So, somewhere
0: thereabout. I mediated a case yesterday that from the date of filing to the final decree being entered was 38 days. Wow. That's warp speed. Yes,
1: that is warp efficient. Speed. That is like the most yeah, efficient Yeah, but they were I've back ever. in
0: court and using me as a mediator. So. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much does it cost to get divorced?
1: Boo, child. <laughs> The cost could range anywhere from merely the filing fee that it takes to file, which is a couple hundred dollars, if you're able to do all the form paperwork on your own, all the way up to a million dollars, depending on the complexity of the case. And in my experience, the more issues there are and the more issues specifically related to children there are... um, the more costly cases can become.
0: So it just, it really depends. And I also think, that I agree, Kristen, I also think you working through your high emotion may help you reach decisions in a way that keeps your costs down. Yes. If you're really mad and he's really mad and all you're about is hurting each other and getting mine... It's going to cost a freaking fortune. Right. I mean, it's going because to cost you're going a lot to, of money. You're going
1: to have your attorney... You will be constantly running to your attorneys to tattle, tell on one, and then the attorney has to talk to the other, or motions are going to be filed. All of those things increase the amount of attorney fees that you have to pay. Um, and it can get really expensive. It can get... Re- I had a case, what, three years ago that between both sides cost a million bucks. And in that case... There were other experts involved in the case, Lots of experts. And that's not even including their costs. No. That was just for the attorneys. So when we're talking about experts, we're talking about business evaluators, custody evaluators, and other professionals that might need to be involved depending on the issues in the case.
0: But I don't want to scare people. The fact I said a million dollars, that is the outlier. Yeah. That is the outlier. That is not your case. But it can get very expensive if you're going to fight about every issue. If you're the other side has a lawyer that's unreasonable or if you have a judge that just sort of lollygags around. That's true. That's true. How much privacy do I have in a divorce and what's on public record? If you want privacy, don't get a divorce. <laughs> yeah, you really don't have much privacy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, all the filings are public record. And it is very hard to get those filings sealed. It has to be granted and approved by a judge to have them sealed and for good cause shown to the
0: judge. I mean, the thing to know about privacy and divorce as well, Kristen, is that, you know, every piece of paper that is filed in your case now, with some exceptions in rural counties, is up on the Internet. Yep. right or you can access or go to the court and look at it now do people do that are they really interested in <laughs> Jane and John Doe right no but if they think Kanye and Kim are filing for divorce <laughs> they're in there looking at that yeah, definitely. and in the state we're in and again this will be governed by state law it's very hard to get it sealed meaning to get it clamped down and private right and the Last thing I'd add about privacy is that
1: there's also evidence that can be admitted in your divorce case and the divorce process. So think about, um, I tell clients, any text messages that you're sending, phone calls that you're having, um, anything that's really written and could be considered evidence or potentially audio recordings or voice recordings or actual recordings can all be used as evidence as well.
0: And that's part of the public record. Right. Right. And then the last thing we will add on it is that if you can have the foresight to look out ahead, which is, and I've been in this process, it's very hard when you're in the middle of it, you want to think about what you say in those pieces of paper that you file can be accessed, and quite frankly, can be accessed by your children later on. Yeah. So be very careful. Or you hire a private judge. You would file it... You know, you might file your case in the superior court or wherever court you're in, but you could decide to go in front of a private judge in that and keep all of that private. But you're going to have to hire that person. I serve as a private judge sometimes, and that's really reserved for the people that have money.
1: Right. And even in that situation, the pleadings are still going to be on the public record. And one other thing I'd think about, There are many cases right now because of COVID that are being held virtually. And as a part of due process, the court has to have those hearings available um, and broadcast on YouTube so that people can have access to them. So that's another area where there's a lot less privacy, it feels like, because it's much more accessible to see a case on YouTube than it would be for someone to actually go to the courthouse and sit down inside of the room. Because as you know, any court hearing is available for the public to attend if they choose to, unless you have a specially set or private judge setting, like Don was just talking about. Right, and let me tell you,
0: those YouTube channels <laughs> during COVID, I mean, sometimes in the office, I'll walk up and the paralegal's got one particular courtroom on, because we know it's a red hot mess. Yeah.
1: it's like and became it's like court whoo- TV for <laughs> us. Judge Judy. Times 10. (laughs) Yeah. So people are watching. Yeah.
0: Hi, we moved to a new state recently. Do I need to wait to start the divorce process? If you move to a new state and you want to get divorced, first of all, how long you have to live in that state in order to file divorce is going to be governed by that state's laws. For instance, in Georgia, you're going to have to be here six months before you're able to file for divorce. Mm -hmm. And your spouse needs to be in this state as well in order or have significant contacts with this state in order for the court to have jurisdiction to bring your spouse in. What if I want to get divorced and my spouse doesn't? These are unfortunate cases. I can't tell you. Recently, I've had either mediated or I've had a case come in where the person didn't want it. Uh, and oh, you you've, and you've got one like that forever. She didn't want to get divorced, and that's true. Wouldn't act on it, and it's really sad. <laughs>
1: so I don't mean to laugh, but you know it's funny because my first thought was like, "Too bad, so sad." Like you still have to get divorced, you know. And well, so you, you actually have a it. much more empathetic response
0: than I did. <laughs> well, you can't. Fi- I mean, we can. I can give you all my oh, poor, poor thing, right. but. If one it. person
1: no longer wants to be in the marriage, they don't have to stay in it. We are not living in the 1940s. No. Where they would make you stay in it. Right, right. I've had clients on both sides. I've had clients where the uh, the spouse did not want to participate. Like, I do not want to get divorced. And I then have to strategize with my client on how do we move this along even though they don't want to participate. Um, and then if you have the client who doesn't want to get divorced, that's more of a like, it's like you're going to have to get there like an emotional right and that is sad and that is where our role as
0: counselor at law exactly. comes in this podcast will be updated every few months to reflect any development in the law and any additional questions you might have. If there's a question you haven't heard answered, email us at info at and we'll add it to one of our updates.
1: Please share this podcast with any of your friends or family who have family law-related questions. If you are in the state of Georgia and would like to reach out to our offices, please call us at 404 909 8300 or email us at info at smithfileslaw.com. The
0: content on Untying the Knots does not constitute legal advice or the practice of law by Kristen Files, Don Smith, or Smith & Files, LLC. Listening to the podcast does not form an attorney-client relationship between you and the podcasters. All listeners should consult with a qualified legal professional regarding their individual questions, needs, or issues that may be of concern. We are not responsible for any action taken by a reader based upon any information on this site. All of the content Content on the podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. Don Smith and Kristen Files are licensed to practice law in Georgia.